at uh, welcome to another episode of uh, Hutchie's Deer Camp. Uh, today we've got my good friend uh, Jake Hofer from Exodus on. How you doing today, Jake? Man, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on here. Uh, um, I've been looking forward to this all day. We're here for a while. I know we talked here back and forth and uh, we both got busy during season and uh, I look forward to recording here today. I can't. Well, I appreciate it, man. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, basically, I'd like to just talk to you about your season, man. You uh, you had quite the season this year. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, but definitely my best season uh, for sure. And uh, this whole kind of going back to the spring, did a lot of different projects here where I live, and so that ate up a lot of time. And uh, planted like two thousand some trees, and uh, got some some warm season grasses in the ground, and uh, basically through the whole season, continued just taking out honeysuckle and kind of. Uh, conceded the home farm here for just getting stuff done because I drew an Iowa tag and that was kind of the the number one priority, which I was super excited to draw that tag. I remember when I got the email that the draw was successful, uh, super excited. And so, uh, um, so that was really fun. And then on, on, uh, just did a lot of projects here this past summer and went out, made multiple trips to Iowa. Actually, as soon as I drew that tag, hung cameras on a, a farm that I was going to hunt my uh, friend Steve Hansen, he had a farm that uh, he was going to let me hunt. So we went out there, hung cameras, and it was pretty cool because he had just purchased that farm. And we were basically doing, but the the second time he ever walked the farm was when I was there. So we were there just like learning it together and, and breaking down everything and hanging cameras. And uh, it was a really cool farm and something that's somewhat familiar to where I live in Illinois with how that farm laid out. So it was it wasn't a completely different terrain it was kind of the same things i was used to but a lot more fun because there's more uh more bucks and more opportunity uh less people and basically everything that uh can make deer hunting a little bit more exciting so went out there hung cameras and and going through this this summer had some really good deer on camera um in illinois and iowa and um you know it's it's always interesting seeing the shift of trail camera bucks from the summer to the fall. And, you know, I think there's probably a fine line or a balance of not putting too much stock into what you have on camera in the summer and what happens in the fall. But um, in reality, the deer I shot in Illinois, I had velvet pictures of, and then the deer I shot in Iowa, I'm 99% sure we did not have velvet pictures of him. So I actually have some cards out there. I haven't checked since the summer. So uh, I may be surprised there, but um, so that's kind of a 50, 50 split there, but basically going into the season, just wanted to make the most of it. So last year was the first, so 2022 was the first year I didn't shoot like a Pope and young caliber deer in probably like four or five years running. And so that was, uh, it was my own fault. Like I should, I had opportunities. I lost a buck and missed a buck and passed a buck that I shouldn't have passed. And so, uh, going into this year, I think that's, so if, if someone had a season that it didn't go how they wanted it, sometimes I think that's fuel to make the next season go even better. And so going into the season, just really uh, had a had a very positive mindset of like, man, there's people that would die to hunt in Iowa. I have a tag. Um, I have the time to go spend a lot of time in the tree and go over there and enjoy it. So in October, went out there the first cold front and passed some nice deer. And then we had that really warm spell in October from basically the first weekend to heck, it probably would have been about till the 20th or 22nd. <laughs> Um, and so I went out there for that next trip and I was out there for seven days or so and, uh, was seeing a lot of really nice bucks. There's a lot of really solid deer. And it's funny because and I'm sure you can appreciate this being in Michigan, you know, like what they call a good buck and a big buck and a giant <laughs> buck is like completely different than what I was even used to living in Illinois. And, uh, so my goal was to shoot a mature deer. Number one, like something heavy is what I really wanted to shoot. And I wanted something I didn't have to second guess myself on. And, uh, so I remember on Halloween in Iowa, there was a, like a, I would say a low forties, maybe mid forties, nine pointer bedded 25, 30 yards from me. 
And I'm just sitting there looking at him like, man, that's a really good deer. And I'm going back and forth, back and forth. Like, do I shoot him? Do I don't shoot him? And then I was, I was in a saddle and he's like bedded looking square at me. And so like, I can hardly move, but I had my phone on the left side of the tree. And I text Steve, like sent him a picture of the deer from the trail. I was like, I have this deer bedded from me. What do you think? He's like, use your best judgment. I'm like, okay. And so I passed him. And then it, like the deer always looked bigger walking away too. So I was able to sit there and always. watch him for 25 minutes. <laughs> he's walking away. And I was like, dang, that was kind of dumb. <laughs> and, then, and then he came back in that plot later that night. Like, dang, he looks even bigger. You know, like it's like, it becomes gray light. And, oh yeah. Uh, so that was Halloween. I was like doing all these mental gymnastics, like, oh man, be cool to kill him on Halloween. I've never killed a Halloween buck. And then I decided to pass him. And then uh, what was what was pretty interesting, I was out there for I think seven or eight days and hunted really hard. The farm I was hunting was like an hour and about an hour and 10 minutes from where I was staying. So I was doing some couch surfing and then it was just a lot of driving back and forth and and spent a lot of time in the tree. And with some of the cell cameras in Illinois, like I did a lot of work on a farm this past summer to where I felt like I had things pretty well tuned in and things were popping off there. So I was like, okay. So I think it was November, it was November 3rd, got up, hunted, and I pulled up my Google maps. Like, I really feel like I can kill a buck in Illinois in like two days. Like had that level of confidence. And I was texting some friends and some other people out there like, you're crazy to leave Iowa. What are you doing? Like, if it's going to be hot, you might as well, it might as well be hot in Iowa. And so I was like, and I remember talking to Steve. He's like, dude, you have all of November. Like, if you want to go back and try to shoot a buck in Illinois, go try, you know, try to go kill a deer in Illinois. So I hunted till I think it was 10 o'clock, drove straight to the farm, uh, walked over into the blind I'd never even hunted out of ever. <laughs> and, you know, I, I moved it this past summer and and did some different things to, to make the the plot work a little bit better and put in a road for better access. And uh, it never works this way. I walked in the blind and uh, I painted uh, with black acrylic paint in this blind to where they couldn't silhouette you. So I had like two little corners and I'm just like left, right, left, right for two hours or whatever it was, an hour and a half. And sure enough, this buck does exactly, exactly what I planned <laughs> and walks, it walks like 15 yards in front of me and I shot him and it was a deer I had on camera and velvet. And then I did end up getting a picture or two of them, um, uh, in a, in hardhorn. And it wasn't the number one deer I was after, but it was the number two. And I was like, that's a deer you just can't pass. <laughs> so, so I, I shot him on November 3rd and, um, was just really excited to, that was the first farm I ever bought. And it was the first deer I, or the first buck I shot off that farm. So that was extremely, um, gratifying and just doing all of that work and like how it was set up previously, I could follow some of their logic, but you know, like some of these projects that I ended up doing were things that the first time I ever walked the farm, like I should probably do these, like the access to this isn't very good. And some of those really key things that everyone talks about. And I was like, okay, I just need to do it. So I, I ended up doing it and it made a huge difference. So like, I think a lot of people get stuck on doing it. Like they know what they need to do, but then they're, they're hesitant of like, is this really the right thing to do? Or do I really need to do it? Or do I want to spend the money to do it? And that's one thing I've learned from just a lot of different people. Go do the projects you know you need to do because it's going to make a difference. And then instead of waiting two years to do it, you're going to be enjoying it for that much longer, like two years before and figure it out. And if you get it wrong, you can change it. So that was something. And I'm sure you can relate to that with with your projects. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, same thing. It's, you know, do it now. You know, I'm not getting any younger. You're not getting any younger, you know. Yeah. You do it now. Do it now. Um. So was that the first buck you've killed out of a blind with a bow then? Or? I think so. Yeah, it was. Yeah. How, yeah. how was that? How was that? I mean, because I <sighs> I missed one out of a blind this year, and it was the first one I'd ever shot at out of a blind. I hate hunting out of blinds, but man, they're they can be effective. And so hey. it was um it was a little it was kind of hectic, but it kind of wasn't. He uh I saw him coming and I opened up the window and I draw back and I'm like waiting for him to walk in my window. And he was walking, I would say at a moderate speed. Like he wasn't moving really fast, he wasn't walking super slow either. 
and I grunted at him, which is probably dumb. I should have just shot him. And I grunted at him. He turned around and looked square at me, squared at me <laughs> at the blind. And I'm like, oh, crap, you know, and I'm full draw. And I'm like, I'm not taking a full frontal shot. And he's slightly quartered too. It's still a hard quartering two shot. And I just put her right behind the shoulder. And, and it was uh, it was a good shot, but the exit was guts. And so that was the last thing that the arrow came out of. I was like, well, there's definitely guts on here. The farm is very, there's a lot of elevation changes and it's pretty nasty and gnarly. And I did not want to, A, bump that deer. It was just going to be a lot of work to, to try to grid search that deer. So I backed out and I got a dog just in case. And, uh, I mean, he didn't go more than hundred yards. He just went over the, the knoll where I couldn't see him and he piled up right away. So it was a really good shot, but it, it's always that emotional roller coaster of, you know, it's like, well, I think, you know, like, well, what if I, you know, with how hard he was courting too, which I probably wouldn't take this shot again. I mean, it worked out, but it was 15 yards and felt confident with it. And, you know, like if you miss two inches back, like it makes a huge difference when they're quartered that much. And so that was kind of, I guess, somewhat of a learning lesson to some degree, but executed the shot really well. But yeah. Blinds are cool. Blinds are great, but I hate feeling like I'm in a fishbowl. I can't hear anything. It's easy to not pay attention. And I don't, there's a lot of people that love them. I understand, but uh, I'd rather be in a tree. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I love mine, but it's just, it's, it's just, it's a different, it's a totally different, especially yeah. with a ball. Yeah. But yeah. So that's cool, man. You got that one. That was off the farm that you just bought, right? Correct. So I bought that. That was the first farm I ever bought. I was 26 years old. And, um, it, you know, it was, it was logged pretty heavily before I bought it. And, you know, it, that's kind of a whole thing in itself too. Cause I think, a, you know, as a licensed agent, I think a lot of time buyers have this giant laundry list of things they really want in order to whatever they want to buy. And I think there's a lot of, just a lot of, I would say pent up emotion or just different things to what, what makes a buyer a little bit nervous. And so that was what I could afford. And it was relatively close to where I lived, which is another really big thing. For some dumb reason, I wanted something as my first farm, something I could drive by it every day if I wanted to. And so that one fit the bill and I don't drive by it every day, but uh, that was something I wanted when I was thinking about buying it. And so, yeah, I bought that. And then this would have been the third year of hunting it. And, you know, I think it does take a little bit of time, especially where I'm at in, in my hunting journey. Sometimes I think it takes a little bit of time to figure out a farm and, and really hone in and, and figure out when are the best times of the year, how to set it up effectively. And I think that's something as as you have more projects and walk more farms and learn more, like you can get faster with that. But um, it's been super rewarding. That's awesome. Is that now, is that the only farm you have or is? I have, a, <clears throat> I live on 40 acres too. And I, okay. I bought, I bought that. So um, yeah, so there's been the, the two farms here in Illinois that I bought and, uh, you know, it's, it's funny too, because there's like a certain criteria where I'm at, where I can tell you more than likely where like higher, like really high end deer are going to be. And that's where that, the farm that I shot this buck off of, you know, fits into that category. Um, and I won't say too much about it. <laughs> yep, yep. It's, I'm, not, I hear you. <laughs> it's not rocket science by any means, but that's just something I've learned from, from growing up here and keeping tabs of like, you know, like I, I feel like if you wanted to shoot a, a 130 or a 140 or even a 150, there's a lot of a lot of farms that can fit that bill. But there's in my mind, maybe out of I would say 10 farms, like maybe one or two would have that really high end uh, capability to to get higher age class and everything else. And that's something that uh, this farm has. So that's what part of the reason that I had there. It's also harder to hunt. Like I think some of where I live, it's a lot easier to, to kill a buck, which is how it lays out and deer more predictable. And so um, you know, I think that's something that as everyone looks at it, like understand what your true goals and intentions are for the time being. Um, 
and, and make sure that farm aligns it. But yeah, so that that's uh, it's cool because the, the two different farms have almost completely different different types of habitat, different types of terrain. And so you go to one farm and work and then you come back to my house and it's like two different. It's like it, that's what I like the most because I get a. OK, so this is more like Oak Savannah Prairie. The other one's more hardwoods. And so okay. that that in itself is pretty fun because you get to make different changes on the landscape and see how they impact the, the habitat in different ways. And that that to me is a really fun uh, itch to scratch. Yeah, I've been really loving the habitat stuff that that's it's kind of more fun than by shooting them. But I I, it, I know and I think when people say well, that I shouldn't say that, that's a lie. <laughs> yeah, it is it isn't, but it isn't. But then it's like I always reflect back on like what are my favorite days of the year? And most times it's days that I'm actually working on the farm and not necessarily killing a deer. Um, for whatever reason. Cause I think it's I'm kind of a busybody too. So it's like a we're sitting in a tree, my mind's racing, like as a business owner and busy guy, like you feel guilty. And I'm sure you like, you just feel totally. guilty sitting totally. in the tree where you're running a chainsaw, you're planting trees or you're doing something, you're, you're busy and your mind's busy and you're not thinking about those things. So I, I think that's probably part of it too. Nice. Yep. Uh, so you shot the one in Illinois and then, uh, then back to Iowa or yeah. stuck home? Yeah. So I went back to Iowa and, uh, shot that deer November 3rd, recovered him November 4th in the morning, took care of him and packed up. And this is when it was really hot there in November <laughs> In November 6th, packed up my truck and basically said, I won't be coming back till I kill a buck. And, uh, November 6th drove out there. It was like 73 degrees. And I'm like, oh, do I, do I even go? Do I like scout? Do I get on a knob in this glass? And I was like, it's November 6th. I need to be in a tree. And so <clears throat> on the first October trip out there pre-trimmed a few different trees for saddle hunting um, because like this farm wasn't set up in any regard uh, which was fun I mean there was there was three food plots on it and I remember the first time I looked at the, the property on the map and also being out there I remember telling Steve like man this looks like just a, the pinches of all pinches like this is when I think of Iowa rut hunting this is it right here and so <clears throat> I hadn't even hunted that ditch yet and you know I went in there and had somewhat lower expectations and um, you know, got set up and, and once I was set up, you know, and this is a, basically a, a I'd say a 85% CRP farm, the rest of it was ditches. And so the ditches were, was where there was a lot of activity. I did see a lot of bucks crossing through the CRP and I'm sure they bedded it in it too, but you know, they are creatures of edge and the, like, that's just a very defined edge and pinch point. And so once I was set up in that tree, I just saw a really good trail, saw some really good rubs. And it was about 4.30 that evening and I saw a buck and it's really thick through there. And he worked a scrape and then I tried grinding at him and he just looked off in the CRP and was like, well, he he's probably sees a doe or something. And so I didn't grunt again. And I'm like, well, hopefully, you know, he he filters back through there. And then it was probably about, it's been a little bit now, so I don't know my times exactly, but let's say it was like five o'clock or so. And a doe comes behind me and I'm like, okay, you know, we're getting there. And then sure enough, that buck came back where I saw him leave. And, you know, this is a deer we got on camera, I think the first time, October 17th, walking away. And just his back view, once again, was a lot bigger than his front view, but his G4s were really short and he had super heavy mass. And the first thing I saw on that deer was his four, like, you know, one and a half inch, two inch G4s. I'm like, I don't know. And then his tines, his G3s come in so much that they can look kind of small when you're looking at them dead on. But then they turn to the side, you could just see them curl in like, oh, gosh, that's that deer. Like, this is what I want to shoot for sure. And uh, so he came he came through and he was he was on like a yearling doe that definitely wasn't ready by any regard. But he was just kind of bumping around and I drew back and it was it was really thick through there. Like we didn't we didn't trim through there. And I'm sitting there drawn back and thinking, you know, I'm full draw. He's probably 22 yards away. And it was just too tight of a window that I did not want to shoot. 
And so he gets into this rock bottom Creek and he's just standing there and he, he heads the, he heads away. But right before he does, I snort wheezed at him and I've never successfully snort wheezed a deer. And I don't, before that, I can't even, I'm sure I snort wheezed at some deer here, on, here in Illinois, but it's never with any level of effectiveness. And I had dinner with Roger Sapper one evening and we were just talking deer and you know, he's a, he's a big proponent of the snort wheeze, especially during that time frame. And so I snort wheezed at him and he just, you know, postured up. Okay. Well, he heard me. He's like 25 yards away, 30 yards away. And he walks away. And about a minute later, he just comes charging in back. And then I ended up shooting him. And then it, it, from there, it was kind of this crazy story. I shot him and he like let out a giant, like, after I shot him, I'm like, did I hit him? What happened? You know, like I felt pretty good about the shot. And then he ran like 30 yards and crashed. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Woohoo. You know, buck down. I uh, text my dad, text a buddy, and as I'm watching him, I could see that his he was still somewhat coherent, which had me extremely nervous. And I stayed in the stand way past dark, and I heard him get up and move away, and I could hear what direction he went. And uh, it turned into a pretty long recovery in order to actually get him, but um, we got him. And in, in the biggest the biggest factor, I think, if it was a true like let's say it was a 200 acre hardwood scenario, it would have been really hard to find him. But with how these ditches were, he didn't want to cross any steep ditches, and we. Just we ended up coming across him and, and got him, but that was a that was an emotional roller coaster, and it was just a, like punctured the diaphragm and caught one lung, and uh, you know it's, it was a fatal shot. But holy cow, that was a it was a, an emotional roller coaster to say the least. Um, but that was extremely excuse me extremely rewarding, and everything that I dreamed up that I wanted to kill a buck in Iowa, like heavy. Uh, I wanted like everyone rags on rut hunters and like, oh, you shot them during the rut. You know, that's, you know, that's not impressive or that's not the Iowa rut. I mean, it was everything that I dreamed up in my head. So like, what else could you ask for? And I had so many opportunities in October and, you know, you know, some of the deer I passed, I was like, I don't want to be done yet. Like I didn't even ask. I don't want to be done yet. I don't want to be done. I don't want to wait six more years. I don't want to be done yet. And um, I was extremely happy to put my tag on that buck. And, um, you know, like it's the, it's the sobering experience when you're driving home and I didn't even leave probably 10, 15 minutes later. And I'm like, dang, six more years before six I can do this again. <laughs> and that was like by then it'll probably be seven or eight. <laughs> dude, that's the thing. Yeah. Like most people say it's a five, a five point, uh, tag for where I was at, but there was guys that didn't draw with five points. And so that, I mean, it's going to be a six point tag and potentially a seven point tag. And, and also all these other States become more messed up. And people want to leave and go hunt. Yep. You know what? What we remember deer hunting, at least what I remember deer hunting was like growing up. Um, it, it is going to continue to increase, and that's uh, you know I'm glad that they're so strict with their management because that's what it makes it makes it feel like. And this is this is the best way I could describe it. It, it was like hunting growing up, but you got to hunt with everything that you knew, like everything that you wish you knew when you were a kid. Like that's exactly how it felt like hunting. There's like because I always ask myself, like I could have killed so many bigger deer if I wasn't an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you mean yeah. not shoot the first one that walks in <laughs> <laughs> yeah or just like like this uh this like things you learn from hunting a lot and like how to set up and how to pick your like everything and it's like that would have been like what it was like growing up if I if I could have been you know in my late 20s <laughs> like yeah, I'm sure yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the next time I hunted I'll be like man I learned a lot then too which is the fun part of deer hunting is you can always learn and get better and that's probably the most addicting aspect of it well that's what a year what a year two nice bucks in two different states and uh was that the, did you shoot anything else at home or was that uh, it? Um, no. So I, uh, I passed some really good deer here in Illinois. Um, and then there was a deer I was hunting late season that did not end up connecting with our season ended on Sunday. And uh, it sucks because I really wanted to kill that deer. <laughs> I thought he was dead. Honestly, I thought he was dead all the way up until December. And then I got a picture of him and I was like, oh crap, he's alive. And then, you know, he, 
it was just, it just didn't work out. Um, it was a smaller parcel that I was hunting, which was kind of a challenge. And, you know, it just, it just didn't cooperate, didn't work out. It got really cold last weekend, as I'm sure you know. And if that, if we could have just got that, like some really cold weather in like third week of December and, and got them more on some of these winter feeding patterns, because as soon as it got really cold, the food plots just lit up and the brassicas were getting pounded. And, um, but that, I mean, that's just how it goes. That's the, I, I always question someone that says, I love late season because the last couple of late seasons is kind of like November hunting. <laughs> that's like 35, 40 degrees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not quite cold enough for anything to really get good. And uh, I can imagine if we had some really good cold fronts, it would be a totally different story. But it's a uh, late season's tough, man. It's really tough. Yes, it is. It's a lot of grinding. Uh, so there is a new rival. Yeah, man. Super excited about this. Yeah. So two years ago when I tested the the, the first rival, like when I was testing it, this thing is going to be a hit. This thing is awesome. It's super reliable. Battery life is great. And then testing the new rival A5, it was just solidifying how great the rival series is. And so the pictures on the rival A5 are substantially better than the rival. And the rival's pictures were good. And so mm -hmm. the Rival A5 is exceptional. Battery life is better. And uh, it's just an all around super solid camera. Excuse me. And super excited about it because, you know, there's as cell cameras become more popular and people want to run more of them, we had to make a camera that was a little bit more cost competitive. And, you know, at 179 with a five year warranty, I just, it, to me, it's just like the best option. And obviously I'm biased. But when I look at it objectively, it's like, well, why would you want to buy anything else? Like customer service, five year warranty. Uh, super great battery or battery life, excellent pictures, and uh, it it's a it's a really good camera. We're really proud of it, and, and happy to offer it to all of our customers and and prospective customers too. Yeah, I mean that that five year warranty is just I mean you've, that that's what sold me. I mean the five year theft and damage warranty. Why yeah. why would you not for hundred seventy nine dollars? Yeah, yeah, it's like you break that down, divided by five years, it's like a thirty five dollar per year camera, and when the competitors are offering a one year warranty and and I get hunting's expensive and it's like at some point you have to draw a line on how much money you're gonna spend. Otherwise it'd be infinite. And I and I know that because I have to set my own limits. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and um and so yeah, I think it's like you get what you pay for. And I think with this it's it's the the value is really solid. And that's what initially when I started as an intern at Exodus, that was one of the things that that made me want to work here because it had the best warranty. And it's like, how do you not want how do you not want a company like that to win? People that truly care about the customers, that it's not just a number. Um, the amount of customers that are friends is, I think, just showcases how how much value we put into to the people that trust in us and spend their hard-earned dollars with us. Because I understand it's like people work hard for their money, and there's nothing worse than spending money if you only get hosed. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've got some new rumblings. I saw uh, Chad put out a little teaser uh, photo I saw the other day. Anything you can talk about? Yeah, so we this is going to be a really big year for Exodus. So um, we had the Rival A5 that obviously launched uh, here in January. And then we have a solar panel, new solar panel coming out uh, called the SP24. So the SP18 had been around and it was a really good product. And so the <clears throat> the SP24 is going to have uh, more capacity, uh, more battery capacity, and just a really sweet, sweet solar panel. And I think as lithium battery prices get more expensive, and I'm sure they're going to get more expensive. This is the, to combat that. And then beyond that, this is something that I never, I mean, I, I had some empathy for, but it was a new, a new feeling when I had cameras four or five hours away from me in Iowa, and I had to rely on them to do what they had to do. And in that scenario, like they all had solar panels and I didn't have to go back and mess with them. And I, you know, like we get messages and, and customer service things like, Hey, my batteries die, you know, two months later, which what kind of batteries did you run? Well, they're alkalines. Did you have a solar panel? No, I didn't have a solar panel. And for someone like that, you know, number one, the time to go there, four hours, five hours each way, that's 
that's a full day of travel. And then the cost of the batteries, it's like the, like it's what, once again, I get that people don't want to spend money, um, but you will save time, you will save money and you will have a better experience with the product, which is what we all want. <laughs> and so um, the SP24 is basically, it's definitely a, a, a step above the 18 and uh, we'll have more details about that once it becomes available. But I mean, what's your experience with solar panels? I assume, I know you run the SP18s right now. Yep, yep. I've got SP18s at all mine. I love it. I mean, I don't have to go touch them anymore. It's, you know, lithium batteries in them, you get them out and they're good. I've got cameras soaking back in the swamp right now. I've got some up in, uh, you know, up north of here. And they're just, they, you know, I never read the solar panels until uh, this year. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I love it. I love every bit about it. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I know Chad has a camera that, that's been out for four years, a render on a solar panel. I had one in a hardwood setting that was two and a half years of just running and like never. And, and that was in a hardwood setting, too. It didn't take a ton of pictures um, given where it was at. But, you know, that's worth a lot. Just out of sight, out of mind and letting it fire away. And, uh, you know, that's that's definitely the way things go. And um, another really big project project that we're going to be actually pre-ordering here very soon is the the Lyft 4K and the Lyft. The original Lyft is what launched Exodus. So that was, you know, like that was the cornerstone flagship camera. Then the Lyft 2 came around, which was a best in class standard camera. And now the next rendition of that is now the Lyft 4K. And this thing is something to get excited about. Uh, we've been working on it for a while. It's got a dual image sensor. So a dedicated image sensor for day pictures, a de- dedicated image sensor for night pictures. Um, the image sensor in it is uh, 14 megapixels. And to give that perspective of a, a comparison, the Rival A5, which has awesome pictures, has a five megapixel image sensor. And the Rival A, uh, the original Rival had a three three megapixel image sensor. So literally almost five times the image sensor for daytime wow. pictures as the Rival. So this thing is going to be vibrant, uh, breathtaking images. And then obviously with the name Lift 4K, it's going to shoot 4K video, 30 frames per second with audio. And I'm a huge video guy. I, I love, love videos. Video. The deer mm-hmm. look awesome. It's It's, you know... I know there's different people, like different types of trail camera users. There's some that just say, I just want to have a picture of him to know he's alive and just roughly know what he is. Not me, man. I like, I, I get to know these deer. I want to know, yeah. I want to see how it behaves. I want to see, you know, and like some of those are my favorite videos to have on my phone and just go back and reminisce and look at different deer and compare them year over year. And so this thing is going to be a beast. And something different with this camera is everything else that we've produced has been a 12 volt camera with that would take eight AA lithium batteries. And what's different with this one is it actually takes um, 18650 batteries. So these are kind of more stout, uh, longer lasting batteries that are rechargeable. So you can buy two sets and just and they'll, they'll last a long time too. Then you can just you got to buy two sets of batteries if if you want to just interchange them and that's it that's it you don't have to buy lithium batteries I mean if you tally up how much you spend on batteries and you have to do it every single year oh, I bet I spend well over a thousand dollars a year on batteries easily I believe it and so just to buy those and they're gonna have a a very long capacity and then you you know buy once cry once and and beyond that like the camera I don't want to say it's gonna be the best standard camera but like I really like we wouldn't have done it if we didn't think it would be. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so I know I'm excited. I, I never had any lifts because I didn't. I I didn't know about you guys then. Yeah. And uh, the fact that I mean everybody talks about the lift. Everybody I talk mm-hmm. to in the industry is like the lift, the lift, the lift. And I'm I am stoked for it. Is it yeah. uh, price point wise? Do you have an idea or? So yeah, we'll nail it down. But right now it's it's two forty nine. I'm sure we'll do some sort of pre order launch um, and save a little bit of money there. But that's. Kind of the lift series has always been around that uh, okay. that two twenty nine uh, price point, which 
you know, is, is more for a standard camera, but excuse me, we have people always asking, Hey, when are you get more lifts and when are you get more lifts in? Um, and so this is a direct response to those people or people that, you know, there's, there's people that don't want to run cell cameras anymore. Or maybe you're in a state that, um, maybe you run cameras on public and, um, in Kentucky and you might not be able to run cell cameras anymore. So this would just be an extremely reliable camera still backed by the five-year warranty. And I have an original lift from 2015 that's still working. I mean, it's a nine-year-old camera. And so when we have a five-year warranty on these products, like most times they far exceed the life. And I think we could expect the same thing with the, the Lift 4K. And, you know, it's uh, it's going to be really, really awesome. And I hope a lot of people, um, you know, don't get, don't get nervous about the price point and realize that a lot of technology and work has gone into develop this camera. And it'll be the crispiest, best video and images in the space. Feel very confident about that. Well, I'm a big, big proponent of you get what you pay for. For sure. And so, you know, you can go buy a cheap old Tasco at Walmart and uh, you might get uh, a picture out of it. It probably misses 42 of them. Or yeah. you can buy the one that you know is going to do the job. And at that yeah. point, you don't have you don't have that much time. You need you need the good stuff. Yeah. And that's the big like everyone. Everyone believes and understands the importance of annual data. And if your camera's not working during the period where you let's say you're you know, you set out a camera or you know whatever brand it is and you set it out in October and you go back and you let it soak all season. And, oh man, I stopped taking pictures after October 15th. Dang it. You just lost a whole year's data. And that's, and that's for a lot of people, that's how they develop the plan for the following year. So I think it's important to have something that's reliable with a good battery life. And that's what the, the Lift 4K will provide. And uh, we're, we're going to do, I wouldn't call it a limited run, but like, it's not, this is something that if you're going to want to buy, like you're going to want to buy it when we launch the pre-order because um, you know, we're, we're not sure what the demand of it is going to be. And uh, I think it's if it's something you're on the fence about and you want to try one, man, I, I think you wouldn't be disappointed. Well, I know I'll be pre-ordering one. I know that for sure. I love it. <laughs> I love it. You'll like them. They're awesome. Oh, great, great. And then uh, how about the app? Anything on the Dude, app? Dude, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. So the app, that's something uh, I'll hold a little bit more closer uh, to my chest. But that yep. that's something that our whole company is based off of customer feedback and, and truly like being a smaller company, we're, we're able to be nimble and adjust based off what consumers are, are desiring. A lot of people ask for uh, more affordable data plans. That was something that was out of our control at the time. And so we're developing the Exodus app and it's going to have more affordable data plans, um, which is huge. And it's, I mean, it's going to be, it'll be curious. I'll be curious what we end up developing after we get, you know, the, the, the app out and rolling and getting feedback from customers, but it's going to be easy to use. It's going to be easy to, to transition your cameras to the new app. And it's going to be really smooth and sleek and nice. And a lot of work has uh, been going on to get that up and rolling. And we're very, very, very excited to provide that. And ultimately save people on data um, when you run a lot of cameras it's like a used car payment you know? yeah <laughs> so. yeah my wife <laughs> my wife asks me every month what's going on with this uh this plan you got going on here <laughs> uh, nothing honey don't worry about it <laughs> yeah yeah we need it <laughs> yeah yeah that's security <laughs> well you can tell her when you transition to the exodus app of like hey look how much money we're saving now we can buy look some more that. cameras yeah, or just buy more, more cameras, cameras. Than yeah, exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> the data plan's the same <laughs> uh is, do you have any idea when that's gonna launch or um so we'll still yeah so i mean we're still we're still working through some things here um but we'll definitely announce that on our email newsletter and the exodus podcast and uh, we'll have a really big push once that is getting closer to being uh, available to the public. And man, I'm I'm very, very excited about it. And it's been a, a long time coming. And that's where a lot of these things, they take time for development. Like it's it, like, I know your trade, like a common yeah. theme is probably it takes twice as long, costs twice as much. Uh, developing products isn't too far behind that idiom. So that's 
uh, kind of yep. what I could say to that. All right. Well, uh, that's awesome, man. I'm so excited for uh, what's coming. Anything, uh, anything else or is that kind of it for this year? That's, the, that's, I mean, this will be our busiest year for, for product launches and, um, that's what we have slated for right now. And, uh, there may be another, um, camera that would be coming out later this year. So, um, just a, just a huge year for us and we're really excited and uh, a lot of work, a very busy year already. It's already January 17th, but, uh, <laughs> it's already been like flying by and, uh, in the trenches every day, which is, uh, uh which is really fun. Great. Great. Uh, how were aerosales this year? Was that, uh, that good, good? man? Yeah, good. The, I mean, I love the MMT and that's been kind of the feedback that I've been getting, uh, that we've all been getting here <clears throat> and that's, uh, we've provided more customizations here on our website. So now if you get AE fletchings, you have a bunch of different color options and, uh, they're just really durable and they fly right. And they're all the amount of craftsmanship that goes into to building these arrows is hard to convey on a, on the website or it's just the amount of work that goes into them, spine lining them and match grading them and match grading the components. So they're all within a grain or two of a dozen. A lot of those things, it's it's uh, it makes the end user realize how quality of craftsmanship and product um, that they're getting when they, when it comes to a dozen arrows. And uh, ultimately, that's what we're trying to kill an animal with. It's like you owe you owe the animal to have what you believe is the best for your setup, and that's where our algorithm helps you ensure that. Of hey, I'm shooting a seventy pound seventy pound bow, twenty eight and a half inch draw. I'm going to shoot a hundred grain uh, uh, broadhead and it goes in there and computes all of that to get you exactly what you need. Because I, mean, I can remember as a kid going to an archer shop and not really knowing what I really need. And you, you walk out and you're kind of get heckled a little bit. And that is not a super good experience. I know there's, there's different, you know, there's really good bow shops and there's some bow shops where they have a giant box of whatever they need to sell and their margins, the highest on it. And that's what they're going to sell you. And, you know, that's kind of what we get away from because it is a little intimidating for someone, especially new to archery. If they don't even know what questions to ask. And and then when they get asked the questions that they don't know the answers to, it belittles them. And it's not a very good feeling where you can go on there. We have tons of videos on our YouTube channel uh, explaining all of this. And uh, I mean, what's what was what's been your experience with the MMTs or? Oh, man, I love them. I love them. I shot uh, Easton's before that. And I mean, I like them. They were nothing but those the MMTs. Just they're they they or they perform. I mean, yeah. I haven't shot any animals with them, but they perform. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Plenty of practice with them. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I'm getting ready to shoot 3D League with them or, uh, as well. So that'll be uh, it'll be a fun experience. Is that a is that a weekly, weekly excuse me, weekly league or bi-weekly? Yeah. League? Yeah. Weekly league. Yeah. That's fun. I, uh, yeah. It's I good. Get, get out of the house and have some practice. Fun. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's funny. It's like when you pick up that bow in the summer at some point and your first like week or two, you're like, oh man, I suck. <laughs> you know, it's like, and then, <laughs> and then the, you know, two and a half weeks later, you're like, oh man, all right, I got it again. And build up that muscle, muscle memory again. Yep. I'm way down on the leaderboard usually every year. So I don't have to worry <laughs> about that. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Anything else going on? Have you got any big plans for next year? Obviously not Iowa. Yeah, not Iowa. Um, I have some things penciled in, um, may try to draw Kansas, um, this, this upcoming season. Um, putting in for New Mexico, uh, random elk, elk tag. That's a random lottery. Um, probably I put in for last year. I didn't get it. Um, this year, you know, it's a, I think it's about a one in a one in 10 chance. So, you know, hopefully one, you know, <laughs> the odds are, you know, however lucky you are, uh, yep. which means I'll probably take me 15 years to draw. <laughs> 10. Uh, so those are kind of the different things I have going on, but, um, obviously spent a bunch of time here in Illinois. Last year I planted 2000 trees this year. I'm probably going to plant close to 3,200. 
And so I really, man, I, I just really geek out on, on all of that. And that's right now we have a bunch of snow and it's really cold. And before the snow and, and cold weather came, I was every day after I got done working, I'd go out and, you know, cut honeysuckle and do whatever for two hours. And I just, I thoroughly enjoy that so much. And I'm so grateful that I can just walk out my back door and do that. And uh, I've been trapping some raccoons and, you know, I'm just, I'm just out there just, just enjoying the fresh air, man. I think that's, that's, uh, that's the best medicine for everything in life is to get outside and enjoy some peace and quiet and turn off your phone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That was one thing I tried to do this year was leave my phone home as much as possible when I was out in the tree. Just You're smart. Just I mean, I didn't do it every time. I won't lie. But, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it was it was very enjoyable to just sit there and, and just relax. Yeah, yeah. Relax, and that's so. where even this past weekend when I was hunting, it was like negative 15 wind chill. And uh, it was too cold to even use your phone if you wanted to. And, yeah. I, and I, was, I was sitting there and I'm just like, wow, this is this is what it was like. Because I remember when I'm sure you can remember when you hunted and there was no mm -hmm. phones and no nothing else. You didn't have a clue what time it was. You didn't know anything. Oh. You had a watch maybe to keep track. But um, I always wonder, like, how did I do an all day sit with no phone? Like that'd be boring, but you know, it, sometimes maybe it went faster. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, well, that's cool. So uh, any, uh, you guys doing any trade shows this year? Or? Yeah, we'll be going to the great American outdoor show, okay. um, in February. We'll be in the archery hall. That show is uh, it's a 10 day consumer show and it's, it's really cool. Cause there's a lot of customers that we have. There's, uh, hopefully new customers that we run into and that that show is really fun. There's just so many people that go uh, through the doors there. And then uh, we'll be doing the Jurassic Classic in Ohio. And then uh, that might be about the only shows we do this year. I know I appreciate your help there at the Michigan Tech uh, oh, show. Absolutely. I don't know if we'll exhibit there this year, but I'm strongly considering just to go and, and shoot there for the weekend. I know we're, we're too busy to, to shoot up there, which I was hoping we could, but it, it didn't work out. Uh, but I would definitely like to shoot that course. It seemed like it would be a lot of fun. Well, we'll have to put something together then. That sounds like a great time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which that show is that a that's a June show, I believe, right? Yeah, I think it's June seventh or seventh or ninth or something like that. Yeah, I know so, the tickets go fast. So uh, once oh, it's man. available, we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to get uh, make sure that we can line everything up. But no, that's a. Uh, that's kind of it in a nutshell, and um, the year will fly by, I'm sure, and and it'll be very busy. It's like I said, a very exciting year for Exodus with all the product launches we have, and uh, we're we're getting very close to 100,000 subs on YouTube uh, between all the content that we do. Which is, uh, I remember uh, when I started, I think we had like 200 subs on our YouTube channel, and uh, to to be a part of that growth and part of the brand growth has been extremely rewarding and i've learned so much and it that that it's very rewarding to sometimes take a step back and look of how much progression there has been because sometimes that's that's easy to get lost in in the day-to-day -day, uh task so that's that's kind of uh we're we're hitting that milestone here probably in a week or so hit 100k subs on youtube and the podcast has been so fun um so just looking forward to a, an excellent 2024 okay well i'm excited i'm excited for you guys i can't wait to watch everything come out uh, where can uh, anybody find you if they want to find you? Yeah, so um, my Instagram is Jake Hofer and then uh, ExodusOutdoorGear.com, our YouTube channel, um, Exodus Outdoor Gear, basically all that, the Exodus podcast, and then I do the land podcast, um, which is just more about uh, buying land and getting people on there that bought their first farm or uh, maybe they bought their hundredth farm, whatever the case may be, and just sharing some stories there. So I'm pretty much uh, dialed into anything land and hunting related every day, which uh, I'm very grateful for. Well, great. Thanks, Jake. I super appreciate you coming on and uh, we'll definitely have to do her again in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you.